Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our winners and losers of the 2020 NBA Draft Lottery. So let's get right into it. Jalen, who is your winner of the 2020 NBA Draft Lottery? Man, let me keep it a bean with you, bro, and make it quick. I'm going to just be a homer, dude, and say that the Chicago Bulls on this one, bro, this is my team right here. I guess it's not really a homer. I'm not from there or anything, but that's my favorite team, so I got I to gotta leak the, the homerism in. Dude, look, I know that being the fourth overall pick in this draft lottery is kind of dicey because it feels like it's a three a three-player draft with Anthony Edwards, um, LaMelo Ball, and then James Wiseman. But there's two options that we have. The first one is we could potentially trade up and potentially move into one of those top three spots, considering that Golden State technically doesn't really have too much need for the second overall pick and may want to acquire players as assets more than necessarily wanting some young gun to come in and have to integrate into their pretty veteran-heavy team with Steph, Clay, Draymond leading the helm. The second thing is that if we have to stick with the fourth overall pick and remain in that slot throughout, you know, this process leading up to the draft and even on draft night, we have our first pick of the litter of everyone else. That means we might be able to get Killian Hayes out of France at, um, at point guard. We might be able to sneak Denny Avdia from Israel. Maybe we could reach and pick a guy like Isaac Okoro. Like it gives us so many options because we're going after the three guys who are pretty much guaranteed to be taken. It's just what order do these teams decide to take them in. So with us having our pick of the litter, we get to add, you know, who's next? No hip-hop Harry. And I mean, that's clean to me because it really gives us a chance to figure out how to get a true building block on our team that can bud into something special, hopefully. I love that throwback reference. <laughs> um, I think Denny FDS seems like a good pick for your team, um, especially considering that Laurie Markin has not been performing up to standards. I think that it would be a nice swapping of positional players. I think, you know, Larry Markkinen has not been doing that good in the NBA so far. And I think, yes, even though you do need a, a good point guard or shooting guard, I think Lamella, a Lamella ball could be a good choice there. But I think Denny Avdia, a great wing player um, out of Israel, I think is definitely a good pick for Chicago at this point. Um, I think he displays a lot of talent that Laurie Markin then doesn't have. And he definitely can also fill that position that Otto Porter fills, um, especially considering that his contract is due to be, is due to be up soon. So I think that's going to be something to watch going into the draft to see what the Chicago Bulls do going forward. My winner is the Charlotte Hornets. Ooh, okay. Okay. The pick before the Chicago Bulls. And I love where Charlotte has positioned themselves. I think they have a great young core of players that include, of course, Terry Rozier, P.J. Washington, Devontae Graham. I just think that Charlotte, as the 10th best team in the East, 
weren't supposed to do that well. They weren't supposed to do that good without Kemba Walker. Yet they turned out 23 wins and have a solid core of young players that they can build their team around. We were talking about this off camera, and I think that their their best comparison for next season would be the Memphis Grizzlies of this year. Um, a lot of talent that could quietly sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed. And I believe that, you know, this is the year, especially with Devontae Graham stepping up, PJ Washington playing really coming off of a great season as well. Um, my biggest, my biggest thing though, is that when you have a top pick like this, you have to keep in mind that Charlotte has had bus selected in this, at this position. I think the most notable busts are Adam Morrison and Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> I think when, when you keep that in mind as well, also keeping in mind that this draft is not deep at all, Charlotte has to go into the mindset of, we are not looking for a franchise player. We're looking for somebody who is talented and can help take us to the next level. I think that's something that they have to focus on going into the draft this year. And I think the biggest thing, Ryan, too, is like the fact that they have the third overall pick, right? They slot into that top three guys that um, we were talking about earlier. And like you said, I think it's, it's a good point to make in terms of the draft not being so deep. This is really um, – you've made this comparison off camera, and I've actually heard it a couple more times over the last couple of days since the lottery has been announced. This is a very 2013-S draft to me. And um, I completely understand why that comparison is being made because this is the kind of draft that as you get further down the boards, this is where the money is made in the draft boardroom where a lot of guys are going to have to find that diamond in the rough player. Um, Charlotte, thankfully on their end, does not have to worry about that. And again, they kind of have a lot of different ways that this can go. If they get Wiseman, they can slot him right in as a center, put him right against right, um next to P.J. Washington down low. And, of course, they have their guards um, up top who you already named off and uh, Miles Bridges being the main anchor at the three position. They can go LaMelo Ball if he falls to that point. And they have a three-guard lineup pseudo of Oklahoma City Thunder who actually ended up having the most efficient offensive group in the NBA with that three-guard lineup, which is something we could potentially see, or we could see Devontae Graham be relegated to the bench as a second, you know, a second option um, in terms of leading um, the bench unit and being able to run the second unit that way. And that's something that I feel like he would be able to do, especially considering the big jump as a facilitator that he took this season. I think there's a lot of different ways that they can play this. They could even take the value of that third overall pick, considering how valuable in this draft it is, and use it to acquire a lot more assets, maybe to pick up some more players in this, maybe in this draft, or maybe in next year's draft, which is supposed to be ridiculous, and use that as a as a legitimate asset to build their team up. But I think, like you said beforehand, if they're if they're stuck at three or they stay at three and don't make any moves or anything like that. They have a lot to play with in terms of being able to pick, pick like maybe not a franchise changing guy, just because this doesn't feel like the draft for that, but a solid guy who can contribute to them day one and potentially, potentially sneak them into that eight spot. That seems to always feel very vacant come the end of the season. I feel like Chicago is also in this position too, because 
a young core of players with playoff aspirations, a team much like Charlotte that could, that could sneak into the playoffs as an eight seed, and nobody's really talking about how great they're doing as a team, especially considering that, yes, they have a top five pick in the draft. I feel like you can find a diamond in the rough somewhere in this draft, especially later on, late first round, even in the second round. Um, I think the 2013 draft comparison is very it's, – it's a very good comparison because this doesn't seem like a draft with a lot of high-profile stars that people are talking about. Obviously, LaMelo Ball's in this draft, but I just think that this draft is not providing much attention, especially to the, the guys that could be drafted late first round, early second round, and like I said earlier, the diamonds in the rough. Who is your loser in the NBA lottery? Ryan, this is the part for our audio listeners where I have to give them a little bit of context real quick. I wore this jersey to represent my shame, Ryan. The Washington Wizards are my loser, and I hate it because I want to see them get better, and they need to get more guys to put around Bradley Beal and John Wall if we want to see this team be a playoff team in an East, in an Eastern conference that after you get through the first maybe five or six teams is relatively wide open in a dogfight, almost Western conference like when it comes to the seventh and eighth spot. But unfortunately, and I've said this in the past, I think we had Brooks on and I had, I had made this comment because I had looked into it. The Wizards got the ninth overall pick again. Again, Ryan. And guess what makes it even worse? We don't have another pick until the 37th overall pick in the second round that we just so happen to have gotten from my winner, the Chicago Bulls. So with that being the case, not a deep draft, not within the top five, and pretty much went to the playoffs or pretty much went through the the play – yeah, went – through the play-in just to end up in a similar position as last season, it really kind of hurts, to be honest, when you look at it. Because when you look at this draft, I'm not really sure who the Wizards can go with. We just got Rui Hachimura, so the hope is that we can see him develop at that wing position, and that's pretty huge. I really don't want to reach on any centers, so, and there's a lot of guys in this draft center-wise that are a little bit lower on the board that we would definitely be reaching for at nine. I like the the Florida State guys, either Devin Vassell or Patrick Williams, who both bring a lot to the table defensively, which is like a big hole for this Washington Wizards team who had like the highest offensive pace of play in the league but did not play a lick of defense all season because it was pretty much first 120 wins when you play the Wizards so I just I don't know man I just don't see how they can really hit anything crazy at nine we're still hoping that Rui is something and he's a you know he's given us spurts but I haven't seen a lot to warrant him being picked where he where he was and this draft is really no better after the first three than last year's. So I'm a little bit concerned about where the Wizards are going to be at a hit in terms of picking up a guy who can help contribute to a team that I'd hope with two superstar uh, superstar guards is going to be pushing for the playoffs next year. 
Well, I think they did find a solid player in Rui Hachimura. It's just can they do it again at the same pick, especially in this type of a draft with no clear star, maybe no clear number one pick, a lot of potential diamonds in the rough. I think that it's going to be interesting to see what the Wizards do going forward, especially whether or not they keep Bradley Beal, especially whether or not they even keep John Wall. Um, who Who's going to take over their the center position? Who's going to take over like any position on the floor for the Washington Wizards? What's their potential starting lineup going to be going in next season? I don't even know. But I think that that's a question that has to be answered going into the draft, going into next season. How are you – how are you building the future of your team, potentially without Bradley Beal, potentially without John Wall? My loser is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Hmm, unfortunately, unfortunately, I did not want to put the Cleveland Cavaliers on this list, but I expected them to have a higher pick, especially considering I thought that they were going to originally have the number one pick overall. Um, they were the second worst team in the league this past season. Um, I think that Cleveland has a lot of young talent in Kevin Porter Jr., Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, um, and other guys on the team that have, among some of those guys on the team that have had some solid performances this year. But as a team, they're still struggling. Um, I think having the number five pick in a weak draft class like this can either be great or it can either be good or it can be bad. I think you can either find a solid player in this draft or you, could, or you could find a potential bust. I think Cleveland has to get younger. Um, so I think they may, they may get lucky finding a guy like Obi Toppin or Isaac Okoro if they fall into their lap, or, or if both those guys, or if any of those guys fall into their lap. Um, I think James Wiseman is also a great option, especially considering you need maybe a potential spot at the four, considering Kevin Love may not be there next year. Um, I think James Wiseman, like I said, is a great option if he falls into their lap. But I have a feeling that he's going to be off the table early, potentially going to a team like Golden State or even Charlotte or even the number one pick in Minnesota. Um, but I think the clear option for me, for Cleveland, would either have to be Obi Toppin or Isaac Okoro. I think the worst part about Cleveland, I, I'm actually uh, kind of intri- intrigued by the fact that you picked this team. And now I'm looking back through the the overall draft results. And this is their only pick in this year's draft. Now, you know, considering how weak the draft class is, some would say that that's probably not really a bad thing. But considering the fact that Cleveland really needs to fill some holes across the entirety of their roster, you're you're really right, actually, that having the fifth overall pick definitely really limits them because the issue now is – you are, you know, I mentioned earlier, Chicago has that first pick of the litter in terms of guys after those top three. Well, Cleveland needs to hit on this pick because they need bodies. And once you get to five, it does get a little thin as in terms in terms of where they can really go. There's a lot of point guards in this draft, and they literally just drafted point guards back to back with the two guys you named beforehand, Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. So does that deter them away from taking a guard in a guard-centered draft? The other thing that should really be taken into consideration, I think you, you mentioned a couple of these things, and they're important to kind of really harp on. I would not be surprised if come draft night they – end up trying to fixate Kevin Love into some kind of transaction to potentially trade themselves into another pick 
for this draft class, or at least maybe next year's, because again, they have building blocks. I mean, Larry Nance Jr. is a guy that I definitely like. Kevin Porter Jr. is a guy that they've been talking up since the season ended for them initially has been pretty much talking about the fact that he just needs a little bit more time development-wise, and he could be a very, you know, explosive piece for their team at that guard slash three position for them. I think the other thing that really needs to be factored in, I'm glad you kind of mentioned Wiseman and Toppin because this is kind of like the field in which they kind of lie is I think they're out of play for a guy like Wiseman, but with a guy like Tristan Thompson coming off the books, I think Obi Toppin is a guy who could really be in play for them as like a three, four for their team. You can't rely on Jetty Osman to be playing this many minutes <laughs> for this team. You can't expect him to be a starter on this team and expect them to go far. Losing Tristan Thompson, one of the better offensive rebounders in the league, not really a dynamic score or anything, but definitely is, you know, kind of the definition of buckets and boards, get you at least like 10, 10 of each. Obi Toppin is a guy who gives him some offensive power at that 3-4 position and could really kind of help open things up for the two small guards because they're kind of outmatched in the size department. And although Colin Sexton does average about 20 points per game, that's not going to win you games long term. So I think getting a, a veteran guy like Obi Toppin, it doesn't really fit their timeline. And you mentioned going younger. The guy's going to be 22 entering this season, and that's going to make things a little bit difficult on their end. But I think they need a guy who they can throw in the game from day one and produce. And I think Obi Toppin brings that to them, and especially with the influx of guys they could be losing out on. Yeah, that fifth pick's got to hit. It's got to hit. And I think mentioning that you you may end up giving away Tristan Thompson in this draft Kevin Love possibly in this draft. I think getting younger is the mantra for the Cleveland Cavaliers at this point, especially you're still rebuilding. Um, you're not really building for a playoff run, at least not this year, or maybe not in the next year, after, not in the next year or two after that. I just think you have to worry about just building your team around great young stars. Colin Sexton is a great young star right now. Darius Garland's turning out to be a great player. Kevin Porter Jr. has, has shown some flashes. And you have a guy like Larry Nance already on your team. And just imagine what, what Obi Toppin could do on that team. So I think this is, it's going to be very interesting going forward to see who the Cleveland Cavaliers select and if they get rid of Kevin Love and Tristan Thompson. Yeah, bro. I mean, I think it's going to be solid. I think, though, Ryan, we can't really end the podcast sweeping this under the rug. So we have to address it. No matter where you turn on the TV at, no matter where you get your podcast from, the biggest loser in this draft is the New York Knicks, no matter who you ask. And, you know, we could have easily picked on the Knicks as everybody else did, but we chose to go different routes in terms of who we felt like, you know, had the biggest discrepancy in this draft after the lottery was announced. Ryan, how in the world can we give Knicks fans a little bit of hope after seeing them fall to the eighth overall pick in this year's draft? So if you're looking for hope, this draft may, may potentially not be it. Um, and it's unfortunate that I say that because 
if this was last year, they definitely have they, – they definitely could pick anyone at any position, and I think fans would be happy with that. Um, unfortunately, they didn't have the number one pick last year, and they don't have the number one pick again this year. In fact, they slipped to number eight. My worry for them is that, that they, they pick a guy who they don't need and doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know if they should go for a big – or if they should go for a three, or if they should go for a wing. I feel like there's a lot of different needs on this team. Um, Cole Anthony seems like a legit point guard that I think could go to the Knicks. I don't think that's a reasonable choice. They could end up moving up as well if they could strike a deal with either Charlotte or Golden State. I think that seems very reasonable. Um, there's a lot of players they could choose, but I feel like they have to be smart about this. They have to be smart about this decision. Um, I think the worst thing that they could do is get nothing for the eighth overall pick and select somebody who could potentially be a bust. The best thing they could do is they could maybe strike a deal to see if they can get into the top five, maybe find a nice player like Wiseman or Lamilla Ball or Obi Toppin. But I think getting a guy like Cole Anthony is not a bad choice at all. I just think that there's better options in this draft, what the Knicks can get. I think to kind of clarify things a little bit, you said that you're not really sure which route they should go in terms of, you know, where to draft. And I, I kind of feel that too, a little bit, just because of the fact that like, it just feels like the New York Knicks need bodies, right? It just, it just extremely feels like they need someone to, they need guys that can produce. And I think the goal here is to not come out of this draft without a point guard. I think that Cole Anthony is an interesting choice. You know, New York kid definitely would give them their first like above the rim superstar caliber player since, I mean, Bernard King is always the reference that I use in terms of the last time they had a guard who truly like produced well for them. Um, this is a team that does have a have another pick down at 38 where maybe a guy like Cassius Winston um, out of Michigan State could be somebody they could kind of steal down the stretch in the second round. Um, if it were me, I genuinely think that if they can come out with a Sadiq Bay who's an excellent three-point shooter around that 3-4 spot. Um, maybe, potentially, if Okoro falls, that's a good defender at the three that they could potentially put in there. I think the two Florida State guys fall within that range between about 8 and 14 in terms of Devin Vassell and uh, Patrick, Patrick Williams. I would probably take Patrick Williams just because his upside is so significant. I mean, this is a guy who won six men of the year in the ACC this year. And he's he's the young one of the youngest. I think he is like the youngest player in this draft. So his potential is through the roof as a as an extremely young player. Um, like you said before, though, man, I think the biggest thing is that they just can't come out empty handed, and they really cannot come out with a guy that they can't trust down the stretch in terms of a long term core building. I think the goal is to try to make sure that they come out with a point guard. I think going going early on potential with a guy like Patrick Williams would be huge. And if they can sneak Cassius Winston in the second round, that would be an excellent 
two-way pickup in the draft for them that would help them with building their culture. Two guys coming from pretty renowned programs in Florida State and Michigan State in terms of, you know, preaching defense and just overall leadership across, you know, the board for those teams. And Cassius Winston, of course, excellent point guard in the pick and roll, which is huge in the NBA nowadays. I think if the Knicks can come out with those two guys, I would say this is like a B-plus draft for them to throw in there with like R.J. Barrett and like maybe retaining Julius Randle. I'm glad you mentioned Cassius Winston because I think he's definitely a diamond in the rough in this draft. I think somebody with the potential, the the ceiling of a, of a guy like Cassius Winston, I think really belongs on a team like New York who's really struggling. Um, they haven't made the playoffs since 2013. And they, they always kind of have a win-now mentality. And considering Cassius Winston was at a great program at Michigan State with Tom Izzo, I think he can bring some of that win-now experience to a team like New York. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast. Of course, make sure you rate us five stars on Apple and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast. Our question of the day revolves around the New, revolves around the New York Knicks. Who do you guys think would be a great pick for the New York Knicks? Would it be Cassius Winston? Could it be Isaac Okoro? Could it be Cole Anthony? Give us your thoughts in the comment section. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.